Hey, this is Pastor Chris Sarno from Relevant Church, and you're listening to ELC Radio. Hey girls, Chris Kane here. I am so excited. Propel Activate is coming to a city near you this fall. I know that this is going to be a unique year. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a fresh thing. And I believe you are going to encounter Him in a fresh way. Don't miss out. Be in the room. Encounter the presence of God and change your world. For more info and details, visit the Elevate Life Church Sacramento app. Love God. Lift others. Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. Psalms 27, 13 through 14. It says this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's the goodness of God, not in heaven, but in the land of the living. And look what else it says. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I don't know what people are going through in this body, but I know some of us, Lord God, are going through things that can be soul crushing or hard, or maybe they're going through things in their marriage, with their kids, their career, maybe facing mistakes, the past, whatever it is, Lord God. But Holy Spirit, I know one word from you can change everything, can give us the strength and the resolve we need to face anything. And Lord, I know I sense your presence here already, and I ask that you would just move through this word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, this, this scripture here in the book of Psalms, verse 20, chapter 27 here, really came to us in a hard time. And I started talking to you about it last week. And, and, and thank you so much. I've gotten so many texts and, uh, from people and just encouragement from people saying, Pastor, we're standing with you. We're praying, you know. And, 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 and last week, I didn't share any of that to get pity from you. Listen, pastoring can be hard, but it's also awesome. It's awesome. I'm created to do this. So I don't want anybody, you know, you don't need to feel sorry for me. Amen. Smile at me now. But hey, I welcome the prayers. I welcome the encouragement. I welcome the, the, the kind words and those type of things. I welcome that. But don't feel sorry for me. And the reason I don't want you to feel sorry for me and my wife and my family, oh, our poor pastor's going through. No, 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 no. Because we've all got a battle. You have a battle. Amen. And, 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 and we all have something that we're trying to accomplish in our lives. We're all fighting something. We're in this together. We're all overcoming things. Some of you are business owners, and man, you have a lot on your plate. Amen. Some of you are single moms, and you're trying to do the job that was meant for two people, and you're doing it all. Man, God bless you. Uh, uh, some of you are young marrieds, and you're just trying to be young marrieds. Amen. And, and, and that could be a task in itself. That could just, you're just trying to go to sleep at night. Amen. And not fight and not, not, not leave. Amen. I mean, I, I, we're all facing something. But this scripture came to me in my own battle, in my family's journey, where, you know, things I was praying for aren't happening. Any, anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been there where you're asking God for something and it don't ever come? 
See, we, we, we like to rejoice about the testimonies of when things do happen. When you pray and there's a check in the mail. How many like those stories? But how about when you pray and ain't no checks coming? How many, you, how many times, you know, you get up, jobs and better jobs, and you're going on another year, no job? It happens. And there's times that, you know, we got to be vulnerable with people and, and talk about those seasons. Because we love to give testimony when everything's going right. We love to post on Instagram when everything is good. But, you know, we don't get up and all the time talk about when it's not good. And I think that's a good decision. Amen. Don't have a depressed Instagram. Come on. Where you're always just posting how jacked up you are and how sad you are. Eh, come on, that, 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 don't do that. You know, every time you get in a fight with your husband, you post about it, you know. Although some people do that. That's a message for a whole other thing. But listen, we've got to talk about those times when it's dark. When you're praying and it seems, everybody say seems. Seems like nothing's happening. Because I believe God is always hearing our prayers. He's, we, we read about that in the offering scripture there. He listens to us. He's hearing us. So it may just seem that he's not moving. But don't get it twisted. He is always moving on our behalf. So Psalms 27 came to me and said, man, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. And, 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 and here's the thing I really want to deposit in you. As I said, I'm not doing a, a series this month. We're just kind of going after the word of the Lord. We've got to make sure that we have right expectations for our relationship with God. And the foundation of what I'm talking to you about today is this. He would have lost heart unless he believed in the goodness of the Lord. I want to ask you this today. Are you believing to see the goodness of the Lord? Do you even know that what God has for you is good? Because some Christians don't. That's why you hold so hard to hang on to things outside of God's covenant. Amen. We don't really believe with our heart that God wants the best for us. So let's look at what the scriptures say. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Get this in your spirit. Every time the devil tries to get you afraid of God, oh, but you know, if I serve God all the way, he's going to make me give up this, give up that, give up this. Look at what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Tell your neighbor right now, this is my verse. This is your verse. This is what God thinks about you. Now, for some of us, we have a hard time with this because we think our sin disqualifies us from God's righteousness. We think, well, you know, that's not to me because I make a lot of mistakes. That's not for me because, you know, uh, I'm not a perfect Christian. That might be for Pastor Sergio, but it's not for me. No. It's for you. It's for you. How do we know this is for you? Because this was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah to the people of God, which at that time was Israel. God was speaking this to the people of God at that time. And you say, well, why does that translate over to me? Because the Bible teaches us that through the blood of Jesus, the promises of Abraham now come on us. And everything he promised Israel, you get. Everything he said to Abraham, I'll do for you, it now comes down to you. A Hispanic in South Sacramento, you get that Hebrew promise. An African-American in Sacramento, you get that promise, even though he spoke it to an to a old Jewish guy. He gets it to you now. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. So when you read these promises and these words, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Guys, you've got to get to know the goodness of God. Because it's understanding the goodness of God that'll get you through the tough times. It'll keep you from going back to your old life. Here's what's going to help somebody here. It'll keep you for looking for things outside of the covenant that God has for you. I'll never understand why born again believers date. Y'all ready for this? Date people outside of the covenant. 
they can't give you what you already have and they can't give you what you need. But see, somebody that doesn't understand the goodness of God, they can't digest that. They can't see that. And so when you don't understand the goodness of God, you will go outside of your covenant with God, outside of that thing to try to get your needs met. And guess what? It never works. It never works. When you're trying to get fulfillment in life outside of the way that God has said to live it, it ain't going to work, baby. Tell your neighbor, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. It's not going to work. Why? Because God loves you so much. He, the old timers used to say it like this. He loves you more than you can love yourself. He loves you more than you can love yourself. Because, see, the problem many of us have with loving ourselves is we know ourselves too well. Some of us hate ourselves. Because like what Pastor Tina was up here saying, we keep going back to repeated behaviors. Man, I wanted to stop that, and I'm doing it again. I wanted to quit that, and I'm doing it again. It's come back. It's come back. And then we start hating ourselves. But that's when you got to look up towards God who doesn't hate you and trust him. Because if you did not know, can I tell you something? Don't ever put your trust in yourself. Amen? I know, I know. I know the world's telling you something else. They're telling you, you know, you, you got to trust your heart. No, the Bible tells me the heart of man is evil. That's what the Bible tells me. But you want to listen? Just trust your heart. Your heart will never lead you wrong. How many of you have found out that's a lie? My heart has led me wrong many a time. Many a time. So much so that I've learned I can't trust it. I can't trust it. But what I can trust is a God who thinks of me like this. A God that when he thinks about me, he's thinking about peace, not of evil. He, now, you know what that means right there? He doesn't look at me through my sin or my faults. Guys, that's supernatural. He doesn't look at me and see my mistakes, my failures. He doesn't see that one time you looked up to heaven and you cursed God. He's like, mm-hmm, I don't remember that. What were you saying, lovey? <laughs> what were you saying, my son? He doesn't remember those things. He doesn't look at us through that. You know how he looks at us? He looks at us through the blood of Jesus. What does the blood of Jesus do? It wipes out our sin. It wipes out our mistakes. The Bible even puts it like this in the book of Isaiah. God has cast our sin into the sea of forgetfulness, which means this, a God that knows all chooses to forget. And we come before God with all of our junk, like, man, I know you shouldn't even be talking to me right now. And God's like, what are you talking about? You're perfect. You're amazing. You're flawless. You woke up like that. No, I just yeah. <laughs> He just sees, he sees us in an amazing light. And then he goes on to say, and the thoughts that I have for you to give you a future and a hope. He's for you. We've got to get rid of this thing that he's just, he's just your judge. Now, don't get it twisted. The Bible is clear. He is a judge. He's a righteous judge. But he's a good, good father. Amen? Are you seeing this? And so when, go back to the book of Psalms there. Go back to Psalms 27. So when he says, I would have lost heart, this is what kept David from losing heart. He believed in the goodness of the Lord. And... He believed he would see it. He believed he would see it. Guys, when you choose to serve the Lord, there's promises. There's a promised land. There's something that God is going to do in your life. But here's my question for you. Will you wait on God to see it? Do you have a strong enough heart to see it? And that's why I'm, I'm bringing this to you today, because I'm asking you to do one thing. Accept the challenge. Tell your neighbor, accept the challenge. 
what challenge are we accepting? And we're like, wait a minute. Okay, there's a challenge. I don't know if I'm going to accept this challenge. What is the challenge? The challenge is basically this. Do you want a better life? Then accept the challenge. Accept the challenge. We live in a, in a time where people are looking for the easy way. But the easy way is never the better way. It's just not. There's a saying out there, and it's amongst motivational speakers and, and memes and quotes. It's the pain of regret is always greater than the pain of achievement. In other words, this, you're, it, life's going to hurt. How many of you ever found that life hurts? How many of you ever learned that pain is inevitable? It's a part of life. Pain is everywhere. There's pain in relationships. There's pain in blessing. Any ladies here ever gave birth? You know what I'm talking about. You know that that greatest blessing that you're taking pictures, you're holding that baby. Oh, I love them so much. How much pain was involved in that? Here's the thing I'm trying to get at today. And here's the thing I've learned in my walk with God. I've learned that in times of pain, don't despise what we're going through. Why? Because on the other side of pain is always blessing. And I'm trying to get a church that will be strong to understand that pain is part of process. That you won't quit God when it gets hard. That's what we're trying to do, because I, I, I beg to tell you today uh, what I've seen with, with the church and in my travels is many, ch- many churches may have a lot of people, but they're weak. Jesus had a church like that, where as long as he was serving them uh, fish dinners, two-piece fish dinners and loaves, remember he's feeding them loaves and fishes? As long as he's giving them food, healing their sick, they're cool. But the moment he gets up and he preaches something that requires something of them. He lost everybody except 12 dudes. Everybody left except these 12 dudes from the street. These 12 young dudes from the street. Amen. That's what he was left with. And you know what he said? Let's go. Tell your neighbor, let's go. That's what he was left with. Let's go. He said, let's do this. We got rid of all those other folks that will not accept the challenge. What was the challenge? What was he challenged? A better life purpose. Okay. And so we've got to understand this, that this Christian life, I don't know who preached to you. I don't know who told you when you came up to that altar call, but the does, it is not a guarantee that you're never going to have a problem. It's not. If you come to Jesus thinking, well, man, all my problems are solved. I'm coming into this thing. Listen, you you, you missed the tag. Because what this thing is about is it's about relationship with Jesus that no matter what you go through now, he's with you. You still might have to go through some tough times. But the difference between before and now is now he's with you. Here's the big thing people think. Well, wasn't he with me all along? Not necessarily. See, we like to believe God is with everybody. We do. We like to mystify this thing like, well, God is with everybody. But did you know that's not really what the scriptures say? The scriptures say he is with those that respond through the confession of their mouth, what they believe in their heart, that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's something different about us that people out there don't have. Amen? Amen. Now, you know what? The world would like you to think. "Mm, I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings today. The world would like you to think, well, we're all God's children. We're all God's children. And they say it like that, too. We're all God's children. Guys, that sounds so cool. That sounds so cool. But it's not what the scriptures say. It's not. It's not. The scriptures tell me in the book of Romans that I am in the family of God. But you know how I'm in the family of God? Through adoption. I got adopted in. Guess what? You got adopted in. And if I had to get adopted in, do you realize what that means? That means when I was born, I wasn't in the family. 
I wasn't in the family until at 19 years old, I made a commitment at an altar in a church and I said, Lord, become the Lord of my life. And then God said that the blood of Jesus engrafted me into the family and I'm adopted. And I got my Theo Abraham, my Theo David. Come on, these are Bible characters, y'all stay with me. I'm in the family now. Do you know what that tells me? That not everybody in the world's in the family. They want you to think they're in, but there's not. They're not, according to Scripture. Pastor, this sounds so mean. You need to know the truth. Why do you think I go all over the world and I'll fly on an 18-hour flight to go somewhere to strengthen the church so that they can reach people that aren't in the family of God? Why do you think we spend money to go into this community and do basketball leagues and put on carnivals and represent and love on people for the, for the sake of maybe they will come into the house or maybe they will look towards heaven and become a part of the family of God? That's why. Because they're not all in. They're not all in. They need the blood of Jesus in their life. Are you guys catching this today? They need to meet the God that we have. This is why I don't understand Christians that don't share Jesus. I don't understand you. The book of Ecclesiastes says the worst evil in the world are those that keep riches to themselves. It's not the child molester, although that's evil. It's not the person ripping people off. It's not the person selling drugs. The wisest man that ever lived said the worst evil are people that keep their riches to themselves. You know what that scripture is talking about? It's us. Us. You got Christ, but you don't rep him. You got Jesus, but nobody at, the work, at your job even knows you go to church. You're in the family of God, and God has given you power to bring other people into the family of God, and you don't let them in. You know what that's the equivalent of? That's the equivalent of having tickets for a free seven-day cruise. Come on, somebody. And, and you get your ticket, and the guy says, hey, I got 20 tickets for you for free. Go hand them out. Somebody says, where's that cruise line at? And what do you do? Oh, I'm straight. I got my ticket. Put them in your pocket. You go to your mom's house. Oh, me, I'm so stressed. Oh, that's too bad. I'm going on a cruise, though. I'll be on a cruise for seven days. Oh, that sounds so nice. Don't it? Wish you were me, right? I'll be praying for you on that cruise, though. I'm going to be praying that the Lord moves in your life. And relieves your stress like he's done for me. That's what I'm going to do. You got a ticket for them to come with you. But you don't, you, you, you don't give it away. You don't give it to them. Then you go to work. And you still got that free ticket burning a hole in your pocket. And your best friend in the next cubicle is going through a divorce. Knowing all the, wow, man, you know what? If they came on that cruise together... That romance that could, it could ignite in that seven days could save their marriage. And you're just like, oh, I'll be, I'll be praying for your marriage. I'll be back in seven days. Are you catching what I'm saying? How evil that is, how wrong that is to do that. Yet there are churches full of folks on Sundays. They live their life with free tickets. Free tickets to what? Heaven. But don't get it twisted. It's not about heaven. It's about being in the family of God. Are you with me today? So we have got to understand that, that this thing is, is, is what you have is different than everybody else. And what God has given you is an ability to get a better life. All right. That's what I'm talking about today. Accepting the challenge. The ability to get a better life. Does anybody here? want a better life. Some of you don't raise your hand. Okay, you got, you got it all. Praise the Lord. I know I want a better life. I want a better life for me. I want a better life for my, my kids, my family. I want a better life for you. But 
understanding, you got to understand this. Nothing worth having is easy. Nothing worth having is easy. Think about that. Nothing worth having is easy. And when somebody tries to bring something to you and they say, oh, it's just going to be easy. These, these marketing schemes, come on, these so-called wealth coaches or, 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 or you know, uh, people that are trying to give you an easy way. I don't, I don't mean to say that because I know we have some guys that do that in our church, and I'm not talking about that. But I'm just saying when somebody is trying to give you an easy way, it's probably not a good way. Can I get an amen on that? And then they're all over the place. They come up on my Facebook feed all the time. Even they even have ones that say, grow your church in 90 days. The easy way. How to improve your marriage in one week. One week? You're going to try to, it's been bad for 10 years. And in one week? You, you see him. How many know you see him? The worst ones are lose weight. 30 days. Only weight you're going to lose is what was in your wallet. Because, listen, everything that is worth having does not come easy. Can you just remember that? Can you just write that down somewhere? So now let's bring it home. What is it that you want? Do you want a better marriage? You guys want a better marriage? Okay. You want a better, better marriage? Okay. Babe, you want a better marriage? Okay. Dang, I didn't say it like that. Dang. Dang. She's like, yeah, dang, I've been saying that. You guys want a better marriage? You want a better marriage? Anybody here not want a better marriage? Because pray for us. You come up here and pray for all of us that want a better marriage. Here's the thing. We all want a better marriage. You want a better marriage? You want a better marriage? Okay. Just make it short. If you want a better marriage, here's the thing, though. It's not going to come easy. It's not going to come easy. It's not. And that is where we lose, folks. Because we want what we want, but we want it for free. And it ain't free. How many want a better job? Don't say it too loud because your boss might be here. She's like, oh, really? We can make that happen. <laughs> want a better job? But everybody didn't want to dominate the job they're at now and get promoted. People want promotions that don't deserve promotions. Why in the heck should they promote you? You're late all the time. You lie when you're not late. You steal. You talk bad about the boss that you want the promotion from. That's like the dumbest thing ever. You want the person that you talk bad about to promote you. Can we just use our head for a moment? But here's the problem. We want things, but we don't want to pay for them. I'm trying to help somebody see something about your life. You can have a better life if you're willing to accept the challenge to get there. That's all it is. So here's the thing. God is waiting for you because he already said what I have for you is a hope and a future. What I think about you is good thoughts. The life I have for you is better than you have for yourself. John 10, 10. I've come to give you an abundant life. And we all go, I'm in. And then God says, here's what it takes. And then we go, hmm. well, weren't you going to do that for me? I thought this was grace. I thought, you know, we get everything for free. What you get for free is the access, which should be enough. It should be enough. But you know what? We went to, it's the equivalent of saying, here's the free tickets to the cruise. And then you go, oh, this is so awesome. Thank you. What time are y'all picking me up? And the, and the lady going, excuse me? Oh, yeah, you gave me these tickets to these cruise, right? I got a better cruise, better life? Yeah. Well, what time are you picking me up to take me to the ship in Long Beach? And they say, um, we're not picking you up to take you to the ship in Long Beach, which is seven hours away. 
and you say, well, then I'm out. And I say, you're dumb. <laughs> right? Because if you got a free seven-day cruise, you get there. You get there. Amen? You wash somebody's car for a year to take you there. Amen? Am I losing some of y'all? Some of y'all, I wouldn't do that. See? That's the problem. So God gives us access to a better life, and you worried about some of the little things you still got to do. And people turn back. People turn back. But listen, let me show you some things in the scriptures here, because God knows that life is going to be hard, but he doesn't leave us without a way to get there. So nothing worth having is easy. Okay, it's going to be a price. Here's what the price is for the new life that you want. Are you guys ready for this? It's going to help you. The price for the new life is the old life. The price for the new marriage is the old marriage. Amen? The price of the new job is going to be the old job. Now, what do I mean by all that? There's an exchange. In 27 years of preaching this gospel, it's amazing to me that people want Jesus without letting go of the world. We want the new life. We want heaven, but we want the club and we want the weed and we want the Coke. Not Coca-Cola. You can't drink Coke. We want Jesus, but we want the women. We want Jesus, but we don't want to give this up or that up. We still want to be the same person, but yet we want the new life. Can I save you a whole lot of going to church and wasting your time? A lot of pastors won't do this for you, but I'm going to do it for you today. Can I save you some time? It ain't coming. It ain't coming until you exchange the old for the new. It ain't coming. And we got Christians, some of y'all working overtime to be on the tuck. Let me break that down in today's vernacular. You're working overtime to be secretive. You, all you're trying to do is take on the appearance of a Christian. And you think just as long as nobody sees me at the club, at the barbecue with my modelo, you think as long as no one sees that it's all good. But see, what you're failing to understand is this. The new life that you want or that you say you want, it's going to cost you the old life. So when I came to the altar at 19 years old and I cried my eyes out, I left there understanding, I want this new life. I wish I could get a church that would understand that. Because we got Christians today, we trying to see how close to the edge we could live. How close to the old life can I be? Can I, can, I, can I do this? Is this wrong? I know I'm not supposed to be over there, but can I maybe just lean over and get me a drink and, and be all right? Can I maybe just date this person? And then we start doing things like this. You know you shouldn't be in the club, but you're in the club and you say things, well, I wasn't getting drunk. I didn't smoke anything while I was there. That's this, you over here. What if you would just exchange the old life for the new? I'll tell you what would happen. You'd get the new life. You get all the things that come with the new life. I wish I could get people to understand that the new life is so much better than the old life. But some of us, we won't let go. We won't let go. There's an old parable. I don't even know this is true because I don't know nothing about monkeys. Monkeys are scary to me. They're unpredictable. You know, be careful if you work with monkeys because you don't know what they're going to do. But there was an old parable that uh, the way they, they would catch monkeys in India or, or wherever it was, where they would put like an apple in a cage, and the monkey would reach his hand in there, and they would make the hole small enough to where uh, he couldn't get out of, he couldn't bring his arm out of the cage without letting go of the apple. Y'all ever heard that story? So the, the hole, he can fit his hand in there empty, but when he grabs the apple, boom, he can't come out. And he's foolish enough, he's too foolish to let go of the apple because he wants what he wants. And so because he won't let go, he stays in captivity. 
And that's how they catch monkeys. All the while, if he would just let go of the apple, he can get out of the cage. We're the same way. We won't let go of the apple. We won't let go of the sin. We won't let go of the addiction. We won't let go of the behavior. Because why? It's our coping mechanism. Pastor, you don't know. Life is so hard. I just, I need to have a drink every now and again. Okay, keep doing that. Yeah, it's not, but it's not wrong. I don't get drunk. See, you see, you're still under a slave mentality. Slave mentality says right, wrong. What's right, what's wrong? What can I do? What can't I do? I'm beyond that. I'm in relationship mode. I'm in relationship mode. God already loves me. He's pleased with me. He's never leaving me. Now I want to please him. So it's not about what's right or wrong. It's about what is obedience to God. It's about where he wants me, doing what he wants me to do with what he's given me. That's what this thing's about. And some people we want, we, you know, we, we want the good life. But understand this, the price of the new life is the old life. What is it that you're hanging on to that is destructive to you? What is it that you just can't let go of? You're like that monkey in that cage. If you just let go of that, everything will happen. Maybe it's, maybe it's your old friends. You got you to gotta leave old acquaintances sometimes. You got to get new friends. I know Drake will tell you different, no new friends, which is the dumbest statement ever made in mankind. No new friends, really? Really? I only have friends with people I came up with. Ooh, you're in trouble. Because how many know you outgrow folks? Don't get me started on all that. But you guys see what I'm saying? The price of the new life is the old life. Jesus talked about that when he said, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. You just heard Pastor Charles preach a great message about that. The price of, I mean, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. You want God's new wine in your jacked up life. Guess what he says? He says, I can't pour the new wine into an old wineskin. Why? Because it destroys the old wineskin. And then the new wine is good for nobody. It's spilled. It's not good for you. and It's not good for the people around you. So I want you to, what I want you to hear today is a heart of a father saying this. Accept the challenge. God wants to give you that business. God wants to give you success. God wants to give you a better relationship, a marriage, a great family. He already said it in Jeremiah. The thoughts I have for you are peace uh, to give you a future and a hope. He wants that. It's settled. You don't need to convince him. But here's what you do need to understand. What the challenge is, you got to let go of the past to get the, to get the new got to let go of the old to get the new. Are you, are, you, are you tracking with me today? Okay, so let's keep going. The price of the new life is the old life. And in this new life, you've got to understand this. God has equipped us for every situation we face. Think about what some of you are going through right now. God's equipped you for it. When you got married, you never thought you'd be staring down at a divorce document. You never thought you'd have to go through this, but here you are. And though it might not been God's will for that, check this out. He's still with you. He's not mad at you. He's still with you. And he has equipped you to go through it. How could you give a God a weak sacrifice when he loves you that hard. Because as people, we don't do that. We don't stand by people like that without God. But God is with you. He has equipped you for every situation you will face. Some of you may have lost a loved one, a child, a miscarriage. I don't know why that happened. I'm not even going to try to explain why those things happen to good people, but I know this, God is with you and he'll stay with you and he'll get you through it. Well, pastor, I thought I'd be married at this age. I don't know why it hasn't happened, but I do know this. He has equipped you for every situation that you face. 
Let me give you a few promises and I'm done. Isaiah 41.10, look up on the screen. Isaiah 41.10 says this, fear not for I'm with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the God we serve. Give me, let me give you another one here. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which raises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. I always go into that because it's a DMX song. Uh, he talked about that. This is a heritage of the servants of the Lord. <laughs> and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Look at this, Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. What are all these scriptures about? These are scriptures from your family members in the family of God, the prophet Isaiah. These are promises from your heavenly father. You need to know that the family that you're a part of now is a family of fighters. We're a family that we go through hard stuff and we win. We're a family made for tough times. And God tells you, you're serving me now? Know this, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know why he tells you that? Because it's going to feel like he's going to leave you or forsake you. He tells you that in advance because he knows we're going to blow it. He tells you in advance, hey, I'm never leaving because he knows there's going to time, there's going to come a time where you're going to blow it so bad that you're going to think there's no way God is still with me. And then you're going to hear this verse come up, but I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He tells you things like this, fear not, nor be dismayed. I'm with you. You read that on your devos, you're like, oh, this is a nice scripture. But he tells you that because there's going to come times where you're afraid. You're afraid of the new life. You're afraid of stepping out of the boat. You're afraid of doing something new. So we've got to understand there are things that he's equipped us for. You may be in a time where you feel afraid. Listen, my wife and I have been dealing with fear about this whole thing for a while now. But when you read what he says, fear not. You could take that to heart and say, okay, here's the thing. He's equipped me for this. But look at Romans 8, 18. For I consider the suffering. Why? You ready for this? Because there's some suffering involved in getting a better life. Yeah, there's some suffering involved. Tell your neighbor there's some suffering involved. Tell your other neighbor no pain, no gain. Tell him, eh? Tell him. No pain, no gain. So what is it you want? I want a better marriage, uh, pastor. Some suffering involved. Some suffering. I want to find a godly man of God. Some suffering involved. You got to change. I, want, I just want to find a woman of God that will be my queen. Some suffering involved. You got to become a king. You got to become a king. Oh, no, I'm straight. So here's what we do. We portray what we are not to try to skip the line. Can I tell you whose idea that was? Satan's. Garden of Eden. It's in the playbook. It comes to Adam and Eve. He says, hey, eat this apple and you'll be just like God. What Adam and Eve should have said is, we already just like God. That's our daddy. Here's what he did. Yeah, but if you eat this, you'll know the difference between good and evil. You know what he was trying to sell them? Right and wrong. 
That's how I can't stand when Christians try to, well, I ain't doing nothing wrong. It ain't about right and wrong, fool. It's about obedience to God. You're still trying to keep a law. You're still trying to, you know, well, I'm over here. That's Satan's language. That's Satan's language. Would it be wrong if I went to a bar and had a drink? No. But I'm not in this about right or wrong. You know where I'm in this about? Obedience to my plan, to his plan and purpose. So would it be beneficial for me to go to bars and have drinks? No. So I don't do it. But you hung up on, well, well, ain't nothing wrong. Stay in the land of satanic serving of God. Because that's what he sold Adam and Eve. You'll know the difference between good and evil. What they should have said is, I ain't about good and evil. I'm about God. Because when you're living by that, you'll always try to get over here. How close can I get? Man, find your purpose and hug that. Stick close to that. Then he comes to Jesus. Jesus fasted 30 to 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Satan comes and the Bible says he takes him up on the highest point in the land and he shows him the kingdoms of the earth. And he says, hey, you don't need to go to the cross. You don't need to bleed. You don't need to be humiliated. I'll give it all to you. That's why you came, right, Jesus? You came to get the world back from me. I'll give it to you. Just don't do the hard stuff, and it's yours. Bow down and worship me. Jesus says, nope. I choose the cross. I accept the challenge. Because the easy way, catch this, is not really the easy way. I'll say that again. The easy way is not really the easy way. There's no substitute for the cross. Pay the price. Pay it. Just pay it. Man up. Woman up. Pay it. Satan comes to Jesus and says, I'll just give it all to you, and you won't even have to die. You won't even have to suffer. Satan says, uh, Jesus says, I can't do that. Because this is about obedience to my heavenly father. And he told me to go this road. I'm definitely not taking yours. I wish I could get a church. I wish I could get some disciples that would say, God, this is about obedience. Because you know what, what's happening in the, in, in the realm of, uh, of church life and Christianity? People are chasing success. Success is not the goal. Obedience is the goal. Success without obedience is not success. It's a facade. Would it have been successful for Jesus to get the kingdoms of the earth like that? No, it would have been an L. It would have been a loss. Because the goal wasn't just to get the world back. The goal was to get it back. Ready? God's way. The goal is not just for you to have success and a better marriage and a better life your way, the goal is to do it God's way. Because the Bible says that when God gives a blessing, it comes without sorrow. Are you guys catching this today? What I'm telling you today is this, accept the challenge. What do you want? You're tough. God's with you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Accept the challenge. You want a better life? You can have it. But here's the thing. You got to do the work. You got to get involved. You can have a better life. You could be a better man. You just may have to come to a meeting once a month on a Friday when the barbecue's going on. You can, you can marry a man of God, but you just may need to be single for a while so we can get all the craziness out of you. You, you're laughing. I'm not. I'm not. Because that's what God had to do to me. God took me through eight years of being single because I had craziness in me. I had craziness in me. And if, and if Tina would have met the crazy me, she wouldn't have married me. She, she, she says it all the time. God, if I would have met you, I would have never met I said, I know you wouldn't have. I had to get the craziness out of me. What if you're in that time getting that craziness out of you? Pay the price. Pay the price. It's only been two weeks for some of y'all. 
Pay the price. Pay the price. Let me leave you with one last scripture and I'm done. If I, Eddie, if you could come help me. The, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. I, I love this scripture in the, uh, the Passion Translation. It says this, the extraordinary level of the revelations I've received is no reason for anyone to exalt me. For this is why a thorn in my flesh was given to me. The adversary's messenger sent to harass me, keeping me from becoming arrogant. Three times I prayed to the Lord to relieve me of this. But he answered me and he said, my grace is more than enough for you. My power finds its full expression through weakness. You know what the scripture is talking about? Paul is expressing what we've been talking about. He was praying and praying and praying and nothing was changing. Nothing was changing. And so he cries out to the Lord, God, take this away from me. And basically God's response is this. No, I'm going to get you through this. Because there's something greater on the other side of this. And he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient. Grace is that divine enablement. It's an ability for, to, it gives you the ability to do what you could not do without God. Can I tell you why? Can I tell you something? This is why you need grace in marriage. Some people are married with no grace. What is grace for? Grace is for you to be able to put up with that person. <laughs> A few of you chuckled. Others you are Pastor, not now. Pastor, I almost made it out of this service without getting in trouble. Grace gives you the ability to do what you can't do on your own. Sometimes you need extra grace dealing with your spouse. Sometimes you need extra grace to take on her weaknesses, to take on his weaknesses. God says, I got you. My grace is sufficient. Man, we've needed a lot of grace to walk through this past year paying on a building that we cannot use. God says, I got you. I don't know what it is you're going through right now, but his grace will get you through. Let's keep reading. It says this, my grace will always be more than enough for you and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. When we're weak, he's strong. But you know what? We hate being weak. We hate being vulnerable. We hate being exposed. We hate being, you, we hate it when it's like, man, I can't do this on my own. God says, that's when I come in. For when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. You going through something? When we go through something, it's, it's, it's kind of, let me take it back for the old school heads. Y'all remember the bat phone on Batman and Robin? Some of y'all remember the old Batman and Robin? They walked around in tights, not armor. Batman wasn't even buff in them days either. Y'all remember that Batman? He wasn't even, he wasn't even strong. And Robin, I don't know what was going on with Robin. Who fights crime in Speedos? I don't, I don't know. But in that show, they had something called the Bat Phone. The Bat Phone was a red phone Commissioner Gordon had. And that Bat Phone would ring, boom, Batman was there. Trials are like the Bat Phone ringing. Trials are when God shows up. So here's the thing. When it gets tough, that's when God shows up. So why are you afraid of tough times? Why are we afraid of tough times when the scriptures say rejoice in the tough times? Because all that means is Superman's on the way. That's all it means. That's all it means. But pastor, you was just talking about Batman and now you're talking about super. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. Tough times. 
I saw you out there. Tough times. All it is is a signal to you that God's getting ready to do something. That's what it says. For when I'm weak, it becomes a porthole to God's power. Had a tough week, feeling weak, trials beating you up, struggles getting you down, feeling like you want to give up. That's exactly, that's exactly when God shows up. It's exactly when. It's exactly when. If you can just do, go back to Psalms, the first scripture. If you can do what he told us in the book of Psalms, put that first scripture back up there. Uh, No, the next one, the next one right there. I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He's coming. He'll strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Tell your neighbor he's coming. He's coming. He's coming because you feel weak. He's coming because you took an L this week. He's coming because you blew it. You fell. And now you feel like a loser. Now you feel like I'm worthless. No, he's coming. Wait on him. Yeah, but pastor, this happened. I just lost my job. He's coming. Wait, just wait. He's coming. So here's what I want to tie this up with. Why will you not accept the challenge? What's the challenge? Get the better life. Get the better life. Do the work. Start the business. Step out of the boat. You cannot fail. He'll be there in tough times. Here's a better one. Let go of the old life. Let it go. The price of the new life is the old life. Let it go. There's nothing better. There's nothing better. And if you don't believe me, talk to somebody in this church that's been in the old life. Talk to some of us that lived the life that you're trying to live, that you're less than after. Seeing your friends on Facebook posting in the club. Yeah, they don't post the morning after. And the fool they're laying down with. And the thing they get up with. They don't post that. And you're looking at that and you're, and you're going, oh, I can't let go of that thing. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Because the new life's better than the old life. A life with Christ is not without challenges. But every challenge I go through, he's there. It's not without struggles. But every struggle I go through, he's there. It's not without disappointments. But I don't run back to the world in my disappointments. I wait for God. I wait on the Lord. God, life sucks right now. I'm waiting on you. Some of us in this room probably feel that right now. God, life sucks right now, but I'm here in church. Lord, nothing's working, but I'm waiting on you. Because you promised when it was bad, you would show up. And I'm here today to tell you this. When it gets bad, he will show up. Just wait on him. Don't go back. Burn that old little black book. Throw away that thing. Get rid of that. Cancel them, 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 them old plans that you would normally do when, you, when you'd be in this situation. You'd call your dealer. You'd get with your friend. You'd go do this. You go, no, the price of the new life is getting rid of the old life. Stand on your feet this morning. I want you to just close your eyes because some of you need to accept the challenge today. Accept the challenge of the new life. It's yours. Jesus died to give it to you. John 10, 10. I've come to give you a better life than you could ever dream of. The abundant life. And we say, yeah, sign me up for that. But we won't stop doing the things of the old life. It don't work like that. You want that promotion, you praying for the promotion, but you won't get better on your job. Guys, God is speaking this morning. And he's saying this morning, who will accept the invitation and who will accept the challenge? I think that this is your way of telling me something. 
Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.